Paper Moon Theatre Company presents An Eventful Journey by Bart Meehan, performed by Tony Turner, Geoffrey Borney and Neil MacLeod, directed by Tony Turner. from this place. Haunt me no longer. What's that, Dickens? I was just thinking about how the past is never far from the present. (laughs) And just as well, since you've made a good living because of it. I expect you're right. Where are we? I have no idea, old chap. This is your journey, not mine. Yes, of course. I must thank you again for coming this weekend, Colin. Not at all. But surely things are not so dire at home that you need me to resolve them. We are desperate. I've tried everything else and the man still won't leave. And you think that a hint from a stranger might do the trick? I'm hoping for more than a hint, Wilkie. I need that bluntness you're famous for all over London. From what you've told me, even a direct approach may be lost on Mr Anderson. If it is, we will have no choice but to move while he's sleeping. It's odd. His stories suggest a chap of some charm and imagination. I found the ugly duckling quite delightful. But perhaps that's because I look in the mirror every morning hoping to finally see a swan. (laughs) I can assure you there is none of that charm present in the author. He is an utter bore. We may have been able to stand it for the week offered in our original invitation, but it's been six weeks now, Wilkie. My daughter's run at the very sight of him. Perhaps it's a Danish thing. Whatever it is, I can't bear any more of it. I haven't written anything of note in weeks. His presence has sapped all the inspiration out of me. I wouldn't be too distressed by that old man. You already have an impressive catalogue of achievements. They've made you the most famous man in England, perhaps the world. Look at how many attended your readings in New York, let alone last night in London. Material achievements. I doubt they'll last beyond the grave. Who will be reading Oliver Twist and Great Expectations a hundred years from now? I wonder if Shakespeare said something similar to Marlowe. (laughs) (laughs) While I appreciate the comparison, I'm not quite up to his standard, old man, though we both share troublesome Danes. (laughs) (laughs) No, my tales of orphans and ghosts are just passing trifles. Still, they pay a good living. I would be happy with a fraction of that living. Well, a start would be that story you owe me. There's a gaping hole in the next edition of All Year Round that is waiting to be filled by some of your brilliance. Already done, old chap. The whole thing's in here under my hat. All I have to do is write it down. And when will that happen? This weekend, you have my word on it. Give me a quill and paper and quiet corner and you'll have it on Sunday evening. And what can I expect? Uh, I think your readership will love it, Dickens. 
It's a detective story about the Waterloo Bridge murder. Good Lord, Wilkie. That story has been played out in every newspaper in the land. People are bored to death by that bag of bones found under the bridge. Please tell me you have something else available. No, you don't understand. People are sick of reading about a crime that has no solution. And you have solved the mystery? Yes. My detective, a writer not unlike yourself, who spends his nights walking the city, will question all the characters in the case. The toll-keeper on the bridge who saw the old woman carrying the bag, the street-walker who saw her drop it over the side and then rush too quickly into the night, the boatman who found it on the base of the column, and the professor from the Royal College who examined the wretched specimen and declared with a certainty that the scratches on the bones, uh, gougers more like, were proof of foul play. This is all mere reporting, Wilkie. There's nothing in it that could not be read in the morning newspaper. Ah, but you see, that's it. The familiarity will make the revelation of my hero all the more stunning. And what is... Here. You do... What's the matter, Charles? We'll get off here, Wilkie. What? This isn't our stop. No matter. We're going no farther on this train. Dickens! Dickens, are you all right? I'm fine. God's name, have we disembarked here? It's miles from your home. Yeah, I have a feeling. What? A feeling, Wilkie. What sort of feeling? That something's going to happen to the train? That's stuff and nonsense. You are too quick to dismiss things you don't understand, Collins. Every day the unexpected arrives, and what's to say that a man cannot preconceive it? I had a feeling. That is, that is all. I do not know what it means, other than it compelled me to alight at this stop. Come now, Dickens. You're an intelligent man. You must know we live in the real world, not a supernatural one. Spirits and foretelling are confined to the pages of our books. I am less certain of that than you, Wilkie. After all, there are more things in heaven and earth that are dreamt of in your philosophy, old man. <laughs> Well, it's all moot now, isn't it? It'll be hours before another train comes along. I am sorry, old chap. We could walk. Walk? Surely you're joking. It must be ten miles. It's shorter if we cross the fields. But you're right. We're hardly dressed for hiking. A point that would have been worth considering before your feeling delivered us into this... Situation. Perhaps we could hire someone to take us the rest of the way. There are plenty of farmers in these parts. Who'll charge a pretty penny to deliver us like two bales of hay to your doorstep? <sighs> Still, we have little choice unless we want to spend the night here. I'll go and see if I can find a station master. Ask if he has a kettle boiling. It's turned quite cold. Excuse me, sir, but are you Mr. Dickens, the author? Do we know each other? In a manner. We've never met, but I know you well enough through your work. <laughs> I can see you're surprised that someone of my class has enough education to read, but I do, sir. 
It was the greatest gift my mother ever gave me. Well, I, I'm glad you enjoyed your time with my creations. Good day to you. Uh, but more than enjoyed them, sir. More than that. They have changed my life. Yeah, uh, I... Do you mind if I sit down? I have a friend who will be back shortly. I will keep the seat warm until he returns, if you don't mind. I assure you we won't be long. And then I'll leave you both in peace. I'm not one to overstay his welcome. Uh, I have some recent experience of that. I suppose it will do no harm until Mr Collins returns. That was Mr Collins? His work is a little too hysterical for my tastes. I have not only read your stories, Mr Dickens, I have seen you read them as well, sir. Last Christmas, at Covent Garden. A fine performance it was. The audience was moved to tears. Ah, yes. I'm beginning to tire of old Scrooge, but his story continues to be popular. I suppose we all like to believe we can be redeemed. Uh, Mr... Bennett, sir. And I am one of those men who hopes there is redemption for the repentant sinner. I can tell you, my life has not been a model one. I have a story, sir. I know you must hear plenty from both gentlemen and riffraff such as myself. But will you give me a moment to tell it? Uh, perhaps you could use it in one of your books. Uh, my friend is arranging transport for us now. I, I suspect we will be on our way in minutes. It will take less than that, sir, and it would help me on the road to Damascus if I could share this with a man such as yourself. Well, I... <sighs> All right, Mr Bennett, it, it, if it is that important. It is, sir. Thank you, sir. I have told you that I was not a reputable man, but to understand the sheer arrogance and evil of my life... You should know I was born into a good family, certainly one of moderate means, but with parents who took what little they had and spent it to achieve my happiness. This was a kindness I accepted without ever showing any gratitude. Then when I was old enough, my father arranged a clerical position that paid enough for me to start a family of my own. I found a wife with a small dowry which I quickly spent, then just as quickly began to borrow and cheat to satisfy my vices. From there it was a short journey to theft, sir. Unfortunately, that is far too common a story these days, Mr Bennett. I doubt there is much I can use in it. But that is not the story, Mr Dickens. That comes on the night I broke into a fancy house, hoping to secure a haul of silver and silk kerchiefs. I'd been studying the place for some time, for I was always a careful thief, and took my opportunity when the house was empty. I wandered through those rooms, the instincts of a true villain directing me to all their hidden treasures, and soon my sack was full. I was so pleased with the outcome, I even poured a glass of the visitor's sherry in the hallway and toasted myself in the mirror. And that's when I saw it, sir. Saw what? It was not my image staring back at me, or at least it was not the image of a smug thief. It was my face, sir, sure enough. But in this cameo I was a condemned man, a noose around his neck. It was a warning, Mr Dickens. And from that day to this I have lived a life dedicated to repaying society for my crimes. 
why i have spent these last few days in this town comforting an aged aunt who is not long for this world and there weren't a penny in it for me sir she has no estate to pass on now is that worth your time it's entertaining enough mr bennett and it's true that some believe a mirror offers more than a simple reflection. They reveal a man's soul, Mr Dickens. I have no doubt of that now. I've heard people pay to be entertained. Is my story worth a shilling? Uh, as I suspected. There is more Fagin than Scrooge in you, Mr Bennett. I'm not a beggar, sir. A shilling keeps me on the honest path. Let me tell you the conclusion to my tale, and perhaps that will loosen your purse strings. My conversion did not happen there in the hallway. I left that house carrying my booty, convinced that the image was merely a trick of the mind. No, it was the next morning, sir, when I woke up that I truly understood a message had been sent to me. And how was this great truth revealed to you? With this, Mr. Dickens. My God. Yes, sir, a rope burn as red and raw today as it was all those years ago. I wear this collar to hide it, but I know it's there, and it's a constant reminder that I must stay on the straight and narrow. Now, is that not worth a shilling? Yes, it is, Mr. Bennett. Though I'm, I must say, I find myself wondering whether you are truly redeemed or just a committed liar. Either way, I cannot shake the feeling our meeting was predestined. Here, take two shillings. No, one is enough. I do not want to tempt myself with affluence. Good night to you, sir. Who was that, Dickens? The reason for our disrupted journey. I don't understand. Nor do I, Wilkie. But I've come to accept that the real world is full of unexplainable things. Uh, did you manage to find his transport? Yeah, I did. There's a chap in the town who has a carriage and he'll transport us for a fair price and your signature in a book. Apparently he's one of your devoted readership. Which book? A Christmas Carol. Oh, of course. What else would it be? We all crave redemption. Well, we'd better move, old man, before Mr Anderson's boring drone drives my family screaming into the fields. Uh, by the way, you never told me how your story solves the Waterloo Bridge murder. Ah, you see, that's the twist. There was no murder. When the police brought the bones to the Royal College for examination, the professor immediately recognised them as being a specimen from his rooms and deduced that they must have been stolen by students as part of some prank. The old woman who was seen disposing of them was probably just some unfortunate new boy undergoing an initiation. <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> I think, thankfully... Fate and the spirits have delivered me another story that I might use.